Hello there and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Sarah from Sarah Faruya Coaching and this is the Legends Podcast. I believe there are many, many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories and I want to tell them and share them. These legends are a collection of people who I have found during my 20 years in Tokyo and before. All of them are brilliant people. And when I became bored with reading another billionaire's biography, I thought I want to tell the stories of the people who I meet who are absolutely fascinating, but you won't see on your regular podcast interview. They have overcome obstacles, both systemic and internal, and we cover all kinds of things from creativity, grief, racism, business, disaster, loss, trolling, infertility, farming, eating disorder, eco-feminism, and more. We have elite athletes, people who live on Zen temples in remote parts of Japan, BBC newscaster to Taekwondo champion. Please enjoy these amazing stories from what they've overcome, from what they've built, from what they've created, from the way that they talk. I'm just delighted thinking about it. So please get stuck in and enjoy this next legend. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Legends podcast series. And today I am absolutely thrilled to be sharing the story and so many of the different ways to lead lives of Terry McMillan. Hi, Terry. Hi there. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm 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 bemused and <laughs> and reasonably good. <laughs> bemused is a wonderful word for this year and just for life in general. I think it is. Um, so just to give a bit of background, it's October 2020. Whenever you're listening to this, this means it's month eight of the coronavirus global pandemic that uh, Terry and I have been living out in Tokyo together. Um, and to give you a bit of background about how I know Terry, I met Terry maybe 12 years ago when we were both in an organization called FEW for Empowering Women in Japan, previously known as the Foreign Executive Women. Um, Terry was there for the transition and Terry and I were on the board of directors together. Um, she was a long-term person on the board of directors and also I would say that Terry is one of the people who is instrumental in having um, been there and present along with her good friend Lauren uh, of, of my complete transition into having my own business. Now I don't know whether you were, were aware of that at the time Terry. Absolutely, but, absolutely. Yeah. Watched you with great glee actually. Thank you so much. And um, it was just, it was just brilliant. And having people like you and Lauren around me, who were kind of like my elders, my mothers, mm -hmm. and I have deep, deep respect for you both. I will always be grateful to you for just, um, for just being there and being like present and holding me in the background when I was kind of like a baby entrepreneur. And, you know, I was in my late thirties and I was finding my confidence and so you just really are some of the people who were hugely inspirational hugely influential and pr really practically mm. part of truly empowering me and other women to 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 take risky steps and to live lives that were are much richer for having had you in our lives so I thank you greatly, Mother. Ah, my gosh. I, I, I did not expect that. Well, thank you very much. I mean, the reality is you, you're not in any way difficult to support. You don't, <laughs> you don't make it hard to support you. So oh. 
it's it's a joy and to see you i was just telling you when we got started in the, the patter beforehand your website your your online presence is so authentic and i'm so tired of that word and we got to come up with another yeah, one right? but it, it's you it's yeah. it speaks of you mm-hmm. and you have refined your presence as you've refined your business mm. and i think that's delightful i think it's awesome thank you and the crucial thing is that I didn't know that at the time. So having like the elders like yourself and the other women around who could kind of just believe me, uh, not necessarily believe in me because that's my business, but just believe me. That's, a, good, that's a fine distinction. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. it was, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know that at the time. So, so thank you so much. Uh, Our, my pleasure. Our pleasure. Deep bow. It was a pivotal time for me. Um, and also at that time, Terry, I just wanted to say something else that I remember about that time was like, so, okay, I want to get into your, into your work history just now. So I just want to get into your introduction because otherwise I'm going to go off. <laughs> um, so right now you, you were working at Apple mm-hmm. and, but previous to working at Apple, you were an original podcast producer. Mm-hmm broad experience in creating, writing, and producing podcast series, videos, and animation. That's true. Um, you had a podcast with Matthew, didn't you, Matthew Doms? Yes, I did. I had a lot. Uh, it was a short series, um, but that was some years ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, a lot of uh, early podcast uh, pr- production, which was, unfortunately, at the time, there just wasn't a, a way to make money at it. No. And um, I was doing a lot of other things that are media based in my uh, small company with myself and a team of people who I'm still very close to now. And um, it was when you don't have money backing you or you're not smart enough to have saved up for years or you don't have some hit out of the gate. hmm those three things help move you along. Mm-hmm. In our case, we didn't have any of those. We had some minor hits, but not huge hits. Yeah. Um, and we about podcasts back then as well. Was well, this great. was the thing. Yeah. We did, um, we did a um, original series called um, Akiko and Tina. <laughs> and Akiko and Tina did various things. They were, they were office mates. And um, we did it for a studio now pretty much defunct. Um, and we had our own little studio and it, it was, it was actually, it was an amazing experience, but you know, you needed the sales staff to go out and sell it. Yeah. We managed to get to a million downloads of one or two episodes, but it doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't mean anything. You know, unless yeah. you have some money and coming I think in. it's much easier to be more savvy about that now than it was yes. back then. And then it was, it was, yes. well, west or I, i'm not sure i like that it wasn't even wild it was like there was a it was a desert with a couple <laughs> of those one of those rolling dry things that roll across the desert <laughs> that was that's right thank you i'm forgetting my americana um tumbleweeds that's what it was really that's what it brilliant. was and you also have extensive experience in successfully marketing to niche audiences across cultures including marketing japanese alt pop artist Pizzicato 5 to a Western audience. Yes, that's You're right. The published author of Fushigi no Kuni no Bush, Bush in Wonderland, the mm-hmm. first Bushisms, a book in Japanese. Mm-hmm. 
you've experienced grassroots progressive political campaigns, including social media marketing for the Howard Dean campaign mm -hmm. and offline promotion for Dean's Perfect Storm. Then mm -hmm. one Iowa, 2003. Mm -hmm. Kerry, 04, Tampa, mm -hmm. Florida, 2004. Mm -hmm. Obama for America Regional Field Director at North Asia 2008. So yes. quite politically active in the Democrats abroad, is that right? Yes, I was a two-term a two chair, uh, first with a, a co-chair with a very good friend of mine who's moved back to the States. He's awesome. Um, yeah, I so unbelievable because I hadn't actually even bothered to get involved in politics at all until Howard Dean. I didn't even uh -huh. bother to vote which my parents, if they were still alive, they would have been horrified because they were, you know, democratic votes, reliable democratic votes. But I thought politics had nothing for me. And I thought things would possibly just kind of go on in a reasonably normal way. I wasn't paying attention. And uh, Bush uh, made me say, sit up and take notice. And it just rolled on from there. Yeah, well, yeah, really. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know what to say about that. So no, I know. We don't even have to get into politics. <laughs> like, no, honey, I believe me. <laughs> we can we can later, but like I was I could feel some questions rising then. I'm like, no, actually, that's the rhetoric of every single time you open any bit of media. I know. Just I don't mean to I don't mean to don't take us to there. Talk about that, do we? No, we, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't need um, to talk about it. <laughs> but anyway, there there it is. Just there it is. There it is. And there it will hopefully be gone pretty soon. But then that's a whole other set of issues. I, don't, I can't because I've just got all hot shoulders then going, oh. Anyway, um, so that's brilliant. But one of the things I just wanted to mention then about like, again, that kind of 10 years ago, and it's come full circle now. We'll talk about that later, about the few, few connections was when you first yeah. started working for the amazing tech company, mm -hmm. You would run these like workshops for women to mm -hmm. help us with our tech. And we'd like loads of us would come to uh, the store, which was very kindly used. Um, and and um, at 7 a.m., we'd all pile <laughs> into the store and we'd get tech <laughs> advice from you because women require different kind of care and attention than men do around tech. Many women do. Many, right? many, women do. many women do. And I was certainly one of those women. And uh, thank you because uh, I have now got lots and lots of um, storage with my backups in it. <laughs> oh, I am so glad you're backing up. Everybody who's listening to this, my gosh, please back up. <laughs> I don't care what you're using, back up. <laughs> Amazing. And that leads me to my next question, I'm going to take that back up and we're going to back up all the way back to the start of your life, Terry. So could you tell me about your background, your ancestry, your family, your upbringing, Oh, good Lord. Life in America, <laughs> and how did it shape you? Where are you from? What's your background? Well, my, so my dad is, was um, half native Cherokee, half black American. He grew up in a kind of farm reservation situation. Um, got pulled out of school very early to work the fields. My dad uh, was born in 1917. So wow, that was that time. He was much, much older than my mom. Um, my dad was a very, very smart man. Uh, but, you know, um, for African Americans, it's certainly for African natives, it's just not an easy road to hoe, right? And so 
he did, he came up to New York in the Great Migration and when many Black Americans were trying oh, to get the heck, the heck out of the South and uh, came to New York City, came to Harlem and met my mother who was born in the South Bronx mm -hmm. and was a very elegant, delicate um, lady. And she had a very, uh, she's Af she was African-American. She had a I, was, I don't even know how to describe her family, but very big family with lots of drama. Um, and they met at a church in Harlem. And I, I don't even know if you call it going out at that time, but started going out, got married. I came along. Um, I was born in 58, so I came along. Uh, we were living in Harlem for the first, I think, four or five years of my life, five or six years of my life. And um, there was one story I always remember, uh, my mother telling me, having to take me down a fire escape as a little kid, because some crazy person had let rice um, burn on their stove, and the, not the whole building, but enough of it was on fire. Mm -hmm. And this deciding, I I'm not staying here. I got to get a house which of course was the dream at the time, you know? So uh, they moved, moved me out to uh, St. Albans, uh, out to Queens, mm -hmm. which is one of the places where hip hop got birthed. And I was around for some of that. Mm -hmm. And um, all sorts of things happened. We moved to a different house. Um, my brother was born, I have a younger brother. Uh, lots and lots and lots and lots of things happened that some of which I remember, some of which I don't. End result was I was playing piano for my, I took piano lessons for years. I was playing piano for my dad's church because he had a small kind of, you know, kind of rough edged church near our house. And I decided, okay, music is going to be what I do, right? And uh, I tried out for one of the, we have in New York, we have these kind of I, I don't want to say elite because that sounds so terrible, but you know, when you don't have the money to get into one of the private schools, there are these elite schools for this called this Bronx High School of Science. And there's another one called the High School of Music and Art. Mm -hmm. And that's where I went to high school. I went for voice and piano. I was a voice and piano major. And at that time it was in Harlem. Mm -hmm. So I was back home in Harlem. I did a lot of very, very shady stuff not illegal, well, probably illegal. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I was very adventurous and entirely too sure that nothing would ever kill me. I, I just did a lot of crazy stuff. I drove my poor parents nuts. But anyway, finally I got out of high school. I went to Fordham University for two years. I did not graduate with a bachelor's. I got an associate's degree. I went for English mm -hmm. because language is you know, like music, my life. But I just, I don't know how, I somehow said, I'm going to jump out of school. I was already, I was working at this little dopey uh, store. And I said, I, I want to go and experience life. Now I had already done a lot of experiencing life when I should have been in high school paying attention, but I managed to slide out of there at the skin of my teeth. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I got myself into um, a company called Gilbert Industries, which is a toy company. And very soon thereafter, the toy company was bought by CBS Records International. Mm -hmm. CBS Records International, I got to, you know, not a high level, but 
a manager of contract administration, which is just an utterly boring job, except, you know, Bruce Springsteen is walking by, you know, this type of stuff. But I'm not interacting with those people. They're just getting shown off on the floor to give you a vicarious thrill instead of salary. So, <laughs> uh, so worked there for 10 years, um, did a bunch of things in, you know, database and things like that, but I, I was not a programmer. At, as I was working there, a lot of other things were happening in my life, including that I moved to the East Village, which I consider really my spiritual home, much more than anywhere else. In the East Village, I was living in a commune on uh, Tompkins Square Park commune, and it was, a, it was basically a financial collective. So we were all living together in various apartments that we had renovated in these old, old, um, these old, old blocks. Lots of things happened there, some of which I will not discuss on this podcast, but I was living a countercultural no, lifestyle. <laughs> well, some of the, I mean, you know, somebody I work with might listen to this. So um, I was living a countercultural lifestyle. Let me put it to you that way. Lifestyle. Very much a countercultural lifestyle at night and a corporate, you know, weave mm-hmm. suit during the day. So that was what I was doing for many years. So can I just get a date on this then? So uh, uh, when did, so... I don't even remember. No, um, it be the 80s? Oh, it's definitely the 80s, but exactly when in the 80s, I, okay. I don't know. I'd oh, have okay. to like, yeah, yeah. I was, you know, padded jackets and all that ma- madness. And during this time, 80s shading into 90s, I got married to a lovely gentleman who's still a Facebook friend today. Uh, but who wanted a more conventional wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't never interested in kids. No interest in them at all, yeah, ever. Yeah. <laughs> ever. Oh my God, I couldn't even imagine what in the world would be wrong with me that I would become a mother. Yuck. <laughs> so, I mean, if somebody else wants to do it, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. But I, oof, no you. thanks. Yeah. No, no thanks. I hear you. I hear you. Never, never wanted them. And don't, not that big a fan, but I know, you know, the children are our future. I want them to be t- well taken care of. I want them, every single child to eat. I want every single child to get an education. I want them to be handled with care. I just don't want to have to be the one doing it. Yeah. I'd rather pay taxes and make sure my taxes go to making sure every kid is doing well. Oh, so. Terry, I've got, I've got a brilliant Instagram account for you. If you're not already oh. following, um, What's that? Rachel Cargill who is, a, is, a, oh. is an amazing anti-racist worker as well. Um, she's got an account called Rich Anti-Supreme. Oh, nice. I will check it out. And it's for people like you and I who love being the aunties, but we also love closing the door and being super quiet. <laughs> well, I'm not even that into being an auntie, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I'm just like... <laughs> I, well, the thing is, I want everybody to be well and happy. Yes. And if I can do something to make that happen, I'm yes. more than, but I don't need kids around me. I just yeah. don't even want it. I never, it's never been my thing. I, I want them to, I want them to be treated with the love that I was treated with, yeah. but I don't want to have to be the person who gives it. And I probably, you know, who knows, maybe therapy would be, would reveal uh, what that's about. And I would go if it bothered me, but it doesn't bother me at all. So, so and Terry, you know, that's one of the, the reasons I do this podcast is there are many, many ways to lead a life. My, 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 my dad's sister didn't have any children. My 
mum's sister didn't have any children. Oh, my really? grandma's sister didn't have any children. Wow. My grandma's cousin didn't have any children. It's like, like I've grown up around people who don't have children. So it doesn't feel like a big kind of scandalous thing that I'm not doing that. And I think like, I don't even know why I'd go to therapy for that because you know, exactly. I even asked my auntie at my wedding. I was like, um, auntie, auntie, do you ever regret having children? And she went, not having children. She went, hmm, no, not really. And we were done. <laughs> and in that wonderful and act. I was too. trying to kind of reap in all the kind of like, should I, shouldn't I? Oh. On my wedding night. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, so, you know, know that I, it's just another way to lead a life, you know? It absolutely is. And those yeah. choices are personal choices. And nobody, including governments and religions, should have not even the beginnings of a say. Yeah. You got no say over what I do with my body. Um, yeah. But and anyway. diversity as well. It's another aspect of, and that's a word that also makes me go. Ooh. I know. Authenticity and that can go and go into that part of the Venn diagram there. I also understand it's, but like, I mean, it's just another way to lead a life. Yep. It's another way to lead a life. Perfectly legitimate. Way, I've chosen one way. And exactly. this is amazing so you just mentioned then you know the love that I was treated with I'm interested to know that kind of you were raised with really loving parents what was oh my god my parents thought I hung the moon oh. they they you know we were kind of a lower I mean a working class home yeah. my dad was a butcher to make money uh-huh um and my mom was a she did uh she was a stay-at-home steamstress for a while. She had her own shop, but then various things made the shop close. And then she became a nurse's aide. And then, you know, all of those types of lo lower working class jobs. But as far as love, um, they, I mean, they, they literally thought me and my brother hung the moon and my brother ended up having his ways of living. Um, but, as far as I will speak for myself, they raised me to be a star. Mm. They not necessarily, a, I mean, it could be academic, it could be whatever it is. They raised me with the assumption that I was gonna shine mm. wherever I was in. And you know, there was a huge amount of racism in everyday education. They call it microaggressions now. We didn't yeah. have that language then. See aggressions. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but my parents, um, were a bulwark against that because you know if you don't have some kind of balance to that uh, it's uh, you know so I was very fortunate in my parents but I I also think if there was a heaven which being an atheist I, I, I I'm not sure I believe that but if there was just for the way they put up with me in my teenage years mm -hmm. they'd be there because I was I was two or three handfuls. I was running away. I was, I was just a mess. And the thing is, a lot of it was not so I could do crazy stuff. It was so I could watch other people do crazy stuff and evaluate. I did a lot of that. I got into some situations that were just bizarre that, you know, I mean, I, I ended up living at the Woodstock Hotel, which was a prostitute's hotel. Um, I wasn't a prostitute, but I was, again, observing and going to high school and then I uh, working at Kentucky Fried Chicken in the graveyard shift on Times Square. And that was like, you know, I needed to make some money so I could move out of my parents' house 
So this was my, I mean, I just, I was just like a nut. wild. So this was a wild kid. The 70s then. This would have been in the 70s. So describe Times Square, New York. Oh, it was. But the thing that's crazy to me, I haven't been back in years, so I don't know what it's like now, really. But safe. Yeah. And you give up something for that safety. And I was not hurt. So it's easy for me to talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, like so there were people mean. who were hurt. And for that, I am extraordinarily sorry for what they went through. Yeah. But for me, it was a wonderland. Uh-huh. It was, it was, I was not raised like that. You know, I was raised in this little lower working class, class, black religious household. Yeah. So Times Square, oh, honey, it what is that person doing? Why are they doing it? Why is, I mean, I just, as a curious, observant kid at that time, who was always spinning stories, this was like story fodder. I, I, it was crazy. I don't know why I didn't become like a real writer, like actually writing books, but I didn't care if anybody knew, really. Yeah. I think I'm very, very self-centered. So I was just, this, all this experience, I was just absorbing it, you know? So anyway, so I worked at that, at um, CBS for a long while. I started to get interested in, because I would get sent to various countries to the CBS office to do whatever, right? All these contract things. And one of the places I got sent to was Japan. And I fell in love with these weird, wacky, for me, very unusual ways that some artists twist uh, Western culture, add Japanese culture or other cultures or French culture or whatever. And I just thought it was remarkable. The, the, the way the music sounded was remarkable. And um, th- this, this is all a jumble because I don't have all the dates and everything. No, I, never, I never bothered. But um, I was doing that. I loved it my very, very close friend, who's still a close friend of mine now, Tom, who's like a, he's older ja- Japanese guy, who's like a, a, like a brother to me, mm-hmm. like really family. And um, basically, we were trying to do a, a nonprofit to help Japanese culture that wasn't like this over plastic, um, corporate created kind of stuff filter into the, the, into America, basically. So we did this big event called Psycho Night. And um, in Japan? You no, know, in New York. In New York. We were going back and forth to Japan by that point. I was out but of CBS. New York? Was this in the East Village? No, uh, we were in NoHo by that time. We okay. found this big old place in NoHo. Um, but anyway, so we created Psycho Night. We started working with the New Music Seminar. And then we uh, all kinds of things happened. We started managing some of the bands. We took one band called the Pugs to Lollapalooza. I mean, just mad crazy. <laughs> when I think about it now, it's just insane. I really ought to write it down. But anyway, all this stuff happened. And then my mom got sick with cancer. My my dad had already passed. My I started working for um, Prince, which really meant that I was working for the woman he hired to run his publishing company in New York. I was not the woman he hired. The woman he hired, his name is Kat Jackson. And she just pulled me in and said, you can be the GM 
for this publishing company. So I spent some time in Minnesota going back and forth and seeing I'm gonna, I'm his gonna cry, I think. Hang on. I'm getting a bit emotional because I am oh, no. such a huge <laughs> Prince fan. Oh, I'm like, sorry. I didn't know you were. No. Such a huge Prince fan. And I kind of knew, like, from wet, back when I knew you back in the day, I knew that you were like, you, you'd kind of worked for Prince. And there's a photograph of you. I, I can remember seeing a photograph. Somewhere. Of you yeah, yeah. Really young. Yep. In some kind of scenario that involved Prince. And I was like, <gasps> yeah, and every somewhere. Time I, was at a meeting, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> but no, I don't really know him. I don't. don't I mean, break my dream. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I hear you. Oh, he he's a, he was amazing. I was heartbroken when he passed. He yeah. was amazing. I mean, he was. So, a, what was your role there then, and how? What was that? I, I was like, doing contract administration because that's what I'm that, really yeah. good at. Yeah. So, um, she would come in, and she was. I, I don't even know where she is now. She's white, but she's very black um, presenting, I guess you'd say. I think she might be mixed, but I don't even remember. Anyway, point being, she come in with like Sly and Robbie, who are these amazing- I know who Sly and Robbie are. Yeah, well. yeah, she come in Sly and Robbie, oh, we wow. signed them. She'd come in with, there was a woman named Nine, all these just amazing, amazing people. Yeah. And I'm doing the contract administration, you know, yeah. Um, so, so, you know, it, 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 and that actually um, comes full circle to what I'm trying to break into now. But so, so anyway, bottom line is, thank goodness for that job at Paisley Park, because it meant I could take care of my mother in good, good stead. And when Amazing. she passed, I, um, of course, you know, you go crazy. And one of the things that I will never forget is that Pizzicato 5's music made her smile she loved it and this is not a alternative -y type of lady right and i thought man if i could bring that to the rest of the world wow like that you know here's this lady in this extreme situation in her life with this these people's music which i loved really brought her joy so let's bring that joy out of out of japan hiding in japan it was called shibuyake and let's bring that out to the rest of the world. So, bottom line, I'm sorry I'm going on so long. Oh, no, please. 60, almost 63 means it's a very long story. But anyway, bottom line is my, my best friend Tom and I worked really hard. We got um, the record company here to let us get uh, Pizzicato 5 signed to a label in America called um, Matador, which was a pretty powerful at that time indie label mm -hmm. that was like post nirvana like nirvana had happened so indie was still like going up uh, alternative so we did that we ended up uh booking a commercial um of one song that i did the english lyrics for um and for uh what was it i can't remember the perfume company but it was massive it was the biggest deal i ever made in my life on you know on my own yeah. terms and of course, you don't, you don't, as the manager, we didn't see hardly any of it, but the bottom line is it was nice that it was there and it's, you know, you're hearing it all over the TV. By that point, we, we booked a couple of tours in America and Europe, all these things happen. And even now it's, it's quite heartening because even now to people of a certain bent, if I say the word Pizzicato 5, the phrase Pizzicato 5, they'll be like, oh my God, I love them, and blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, oh, that's nice. At least that, that remains. Yeah. 
But anyway, what legacy then? Yeah, there's a legacy. Long I mean, legacy. It's a long legacy. We started working. Then they broke up. Uh, but before they broke up, they asked us to come and manage them in from Japan worldwide. And so we did that. I moved with my 13 boxes and my bicycle because, you know, no kids. So, and my mom's gone and my brother's wherever my brother is. And I'm like, I, I'll move to Japan. Why not? So moved to Tokyo. I've been here ever since. And basically all these things happening. And I mean, I probably got some of the, the timeline wrong. All these things happening led to me thinking, okay, I'm going to be a real music manager and manage some other bands. So we found some other bands, some amazing, but one of my favorite bands in the world, a band called Feed, weren't working with Pizzicato 5 anymore, put my whole life into Feed. Um, they were like the female-fronted Japanese version of Radiohead. They, they weren't doing the same kind of music, but oh my God, they're so amazing, that band. I just can't even tell you. And we got them um, they onto, uh, which I can't remember. Was it Fuji Rock? I can't remember. You know, one of the side stages. Yeah. And um, they opened for Smashing Pumpkins last um, live at that time mm -hmm. in Budokan. So it's like, I'll never forget that, that feeling. Like I'm standing here in Budokan and here's the, my band. It's like, before, I mean, just amazing, right? Yeah. But what was true and what I was ignoring is, so I'm around all these, these amazing artists. I started out as an artist. I even had some bands when I was little, yeah. but I'm doing contract administration or I'm on the phone being a manager or I'm counting uh -huh. money or I'm doing, and all this stuff for somebody else. Now, you know, Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way? Yes, yes, you know yes. That? She calls it a shadow artist. Yes. Yes. I was like, a shadow we, artist. We get ourselves close because, yes. but really the artist lives inside us. Tell me where I'm wrong. Absolutely right. Bring Absolutely up. right. And I didn't want to step out and do art because I felt so, I get hit with depression okay. and I didn't want to connect with a band or do any of that. But I just have this, I don't know. I have this thing that I really want to get out there, right? So I, so no more artist management, all of that stopped for a variety of reasons. And then Footloose and Fancy Free, except no money. And in that's Tokyo. when, in Tokyo, yeah, in Shibuya, near mm -hmm. Namiki Bashi. Mm -hmm. And that's when, you know, podcast production and all these other things. We brought the Mozart effect stuff into Japan. Um, all this other stuff, right? All these projects. What's which, the Mozart effect? Is that for the children? Well, I don't know if it's really true anymore. I used to really believe in it. It was basically the idea that, you know, you can, uh, some of it is baby oriented, helping your baby be more verbal or more, um, more, more verbal, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, increasing verbal acuity and ability. Um, <clears throat> some of it is, you know, when you're studying, like Mozart is good music to have in the background kind oh, of thing. Okay. And, you know, all that stuff. So there was a guy um, who was 
kind of promoting all of that. And we brought him here and all these, I mean, so many things have happened. Dang. Anyway, bottom line is. Keep it coming, Terry. <laughs> I know. You know, it's, it's very seldom that I sit down and think about this stuff. Yeah, it's fascinating. So almost there, I go into, so I'm broke and we're broke. We, you know, projects come, projects go. I'm sick of working for clients. Mm -hmm. I've had amazing clients and people who've become friends to this day, but working for clients is really hard. Yeah. It's like you have five or six bosses or 10 or 12 bosses instead of one boss. Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really like sales at all because I feel like, you know, you either get it or you don't. Why do right. I have to not convince you? Mm -hmm. No, it's not my thing at all. And, um, so I know I'm, I'm at sixes and sevens, you know, and I walk into the Apple store um, would have been the end of 2010. And I say to Andrew Shuttleworth, yeah, who you probably know, I know him very well. Who's a massive you. mensch. That is a mensch of a guy. And I'm all depressed. And I walk in, I'm like, Andrew, I got to fix my 2008 MacBook Pro or 2007, whatever it was, because without this, I can't survive, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, why don't you apply at Apple? And I said, because I can't speak Japanese. And I, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but this is Japan. And um, long story short, I applied. And uh, after some interviews, they, I came on part-time and I've been there ever since. It'll be 10 years next March. I mean, that's just such an incredible pivot. I mean, what was happening? So when I met you then, I mean, we just kind of compressed that into a really small, like when I met you, I know that you were doing this and that, like to me, you were very just impressive as a person. Oh God. Um, but just, but I, Girl, I, I was so, falling apart. <laughs> well, I know, but I, I kind of, I realized that, but that wasn't my business actually. And I just stayed in my business. And right. we had some, you know, I know you had some great support from people like Julia Maida and absolutely love Julia. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She's a, she's a, I, I, I was with her last week. Um, and you know, so what was it that kind of kept you going? So there must've been about 10, I'm thinking chronolo chronological wise, 2010, 2001, I arrived in Japan. I must've met you around 2008, I think. Right. And yeah, then yeah. I was on the board of directors from 2001. 10 to 2013 right during which time you were also on the board of directors with yes me. yes so kind of kicking and screaming because i i was like i'm not a board was like let me out of here kind of, <laughs> you know, not that, nothing me. wrong with few but it was a time of well, great you know, turmoil <laughs> but, but, but then it was a time of great turmoil and also and you know you say there was nothing wrong with few but you know i, I can let, let's cycle back to that as well. yeah 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 yeah, yeah like yeah. I, I'll, I'll i'll come back to that in a minute because i just you know there's something i want to honor you for there as well but um so what were you doing in the so when did you land in japan for kind of permanently 2000 uh, about 99 i think 99 okay something like but that. then all that happened and then like many, many things happen. Many, many things happen. I mean, I'm out of the country a lot of the time flying around doing stuff. Oh, in the middle of all this madness, you know, 2003, 2004, I'm flying around with, with Lauren and Chris doing politics. I mean, the reality is I will talk about the specifics of good or bad, but I really caught the bug of yeah. becoming a more, um, 
a more active American citizen uh -huh. in terms of my responsibilities, right? So part of that ended up with me and them in Iowa campaigning in the dead of winter with like not the right clothes because I forgot what winter could be like. And of course, Iowa in the winter is brutal, yeah. um, knocking on people's doors, you know? I mean, just amazing experiences. And I think I will say this, those are some of the things I'm most proud of. All of those political trips, um, I'm not religious at all, but I think that there's a human spirit thing that happens when you give of something in yourself to something larger than yourself. Mm. And the American project for me, I mean, for obvious reasons, the American project is my larger than myself thing. It's not a religion, but it's so tantalizing what mm -hmm. my country could be and what we were supposed to be. And then the, the gap of, between that and what we are. So that's a very, you talk about a grail, <laughs> a grail to go for. So any little tiny mite, any little tiny push I can push in the direction of those amazing documents that founded us, but didn't include my ancestors. Yep. Um, you know what I mean? Like if yeah. I can get, if I can move America forward, I mean, dang, that's a big project. And that is a big thing for me. Love it. Actually, this is really, really interesting and very, very important at the moment. I think what you just said there, I actually got goosebumps on my knees that I'm not <laughs> flushing. <laughs> this is my oh, you're funny who listens to this or anybody who's done any workshops or works with me knows i have something called fbgs and it's like full body goosebumps wow. and then when it really goes when it really goes wild my knees start flushing <laughs> good so you're a very like, sensitive person <laughs> yes indeed uh news flash <laughs> um so the, when you said something there about the human spirit, kind of, you said something about when it has a bigger project than itself, the human spirit gets moved and Project America is yours. You mentioned the, the documents that started the country, but how your ancestors were not only not included, but active, tell me where I'm specifically wrong. Specifically excluded. excluded. That's right. So what, so what happened so how how on earth do you keep yourself buoyant in all of this Tara? i don't i don't i okay. just i'm i've just come out of a really rough patch i have a whole bunch of people i need to call Sorry. back and reconnect with because i just i just went straight down and um yeah it's not i mean everybody's got issues of one kind or another um I am very, I, I am so fortunate. I, I, I am not complaining. I'm sitting here with my, you know, my equipment, looking at my cat photo. I'm looking at my, my beloved cats from years ago. They always, those are my, those are my beloved spirits. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that my project is to be a better, better American citizen myself. Yeah. And to by example and also by pushing politically help america move in the direction it's meant to move in and that acknowledges um the horror <laughs> has to acknowledge it i mean you have to acknowledge the horror and sometimes that gets me that brings me to the brink of just giving up but 
I'm still here. And I also think those moments, those political moments, I, calling them political seems so, polit, the word politics has such a bad taste in your mouth. Oh, politics, you know, but that's ridiculous. Politics is how we commune as a society. Taxes are how we support what we support in a society. So, you know, am I, am I better than everybody else? I don't have to participate in, in politics? No, of course not. And that's, I felt I was better than everybody else for years and I'm trying to make up for lost time. So it's, I do believe in the human spirit. I do believe that there's a thing I will not call it God because I have no idea and, and I kind of doubt it. But I also believe, who cares? <laughs> I don't care. What, what is, so, you know, if there is one, great. If there isn't one, is that going to change how I treat people? No. What the hell? I just get so impatient with this how will you have morality if you don't have some kind of religion or how are you gonna if you don't you know oh i just i feel i get like impatient like all right you know what if that's good for you that's fine for me i am such a flawed human being on so many levels oh dude but if i can do one or two righteous things a day and i mean that in the street way of looking at it that like that's righteous that's well done yeah that supports community yeah that's that to me that's a that's a good thing i don't need a bible to tell me that what's wrong what is what would be wrong with me as a human being if i had so little fellow feeling that i needed somebody to tell me not to hurt other people. What is that? I don't get that. I don't get it. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Do not get it. No, I'm with you. And uh, I mean, we're going into an area that I could talk about all day. Um, uh, Christopher Hitchens, the old, um, the old wind. I love, I love, I love Hitchens and I love like, uh, spiritual, like, like, it mixes it mixes. Yeah, it mixes and also what is it that makes me have goosebumps like that obviously it's my physiological reaction to your truth exactly but yep. what is that what is what it is that kind I of i don't know said, i don't know that's something that really struck me which was like how the hell did humans manage to do humaning and to continue as a society pre five thousand years ago when this organized religion monotheistic religion started they, they must have been communing in that way. They, they must, must have, have been. been. They must, have, must been. have been not killing each other. They must have been communing. Or, or, or somebody didn't kill somebody because otherwise our asses wouldn't be sitting here, right? I, I just our I, DNA wouldn't be exactly. <laughs> so it's it's just it's very interesting to me that is, and I, I love a bit of Christopher Hitchens. I do. Um, I do. <laughs> I he's I he's good. Him. He's good. I don't. It's funny. I don't read Dawkins. I don't. I don't really. Mm-hmm. I call myself, I guess, a gentle atheist. A gentle atheist. Because I, atheist. I'm not like radical about it. Like if you're you, not if, pushy with it. Yeah. No. If you want to do, um, one of my dearest friends' mothers is extremely religious. Love her to pieces. Fight anybody for this lady. Yeah. And 
what am I going to do? Say to her, don't use this thing, which brings you such comfort. What kind of an asshole would I be then? Yeah. Just don't be an asshole. I I, I just, oh, I hope this is explicit. Oh, we we can, yeah, full range, please. I just, I just realized I'm too relaxed. No, 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 please. It's full range. (laughs) This is, this is about storytelling and this is keeping it real and it's truthful and it's adulting and, you know. And I'm from New York, so, you know. And I'm from Liverpool. All right then. (laughs) Are you really from Liverpool, Liverpool? I'm from about four miles away. So just. Oh my God, that is so cool. Kind of, there's a very, well, you know, it's. Well, so cool. You know, yay, Liverpool, but also the place yeah. we trafficked. People, I know. You know. I'm only thinking about the Beatles. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm old enough. Lennon, and I'm thinking about the simpatico between New York and Liverpool and how uh, John exactly. Lennon used to say that New York reminded him of Liverpool. And I was always like, ooh. <laughs> so I tell you, I mean, we, we, we're so big human beings. I mean, we really, really have so much bigness in our, like, possibly, potentiality. And narrowness, while while important potentially as a tool, like, I think narrowness sometimes is really useful, right? Yeah. But if you're using it as a conscious tool, that's one thing. But if you're using it as your life fallback, fine but what kind of life does that mean you're gonna lead i I don't i don't get it and and i'm cool with that too if you want if that's who somebody wants to be but don't put chains on me do not do not Uh, oh yeah oh my god so good terry because it's like if your narrowness is here and you're going to use that to beat me with or as you very, very literally said, put chains on me. Again, I've got goosebumps, but not the good ones this time. It's, it's the like, truth. Yeah, mate, truth. it is the truth. And, and, and this is something else I want to honor you for as well, which is, is it's in this kind of lineage of conversation that we're talking about now is when, when we were on the board together, you kept trying to kind of school me in the gentlest possible way about things, but I just wasn't I didn't have the ears to hear that stuff at the time. I hear you would it. say to me, and this is, and again, you're, you, you just, you are like 14 years my senior as well. So you're right. also, um, how can I say it? Um, wise. Older. <laughs> you could say <laughs> older. <laughs> wise. wise. I don't wise. know about all that, but I'm definitely older. <laughs> yeah, you are definitely older. This is what it means. This is numbers um let me educate my listeners now when somebody one person is 63 and the other person is 49 the person is 63 is older that is a truth take away you take away from today i've got goosebumps all over my body (laughs) that gem (laughs) um you're too funny (laughs) so um so but you 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 kind of said to me yeah a few for empowering white women and i was like a bit like and you could you probably saw that kind of like that like rabbit in the headlights, deer yeah. in the headlights kind of thing that you get. I remember from that. White women who are like. But it wasn't meant to be like. It was. It wasn't white women standing with their hands saying, "Don't come in." That was no, not no, what that because I couldn't join an organization. Do it, that's not how. No, and I no, that's not how y'all do it. I'm going to use the words of the woman who wrote White Fragility. Now I used to be a vegetarian. You know. It's <laughs> 
so but you could but the thing is i think and then again one day i can remember coming to your to your flat for a for a consultation a tech consultation because i didn't know my ass from my elbow and um i just needed to invest in somebody to sit down with me on my phone and like you set up my mail for me i remember and mm -hmm. showed me how to do that like just really simple things that were so hard for me and um um and, and I'm a I'm a radical outsourcer. Probably something I learned from your friend Lauren as well. It's it's very um, important. It, and um, again, then you started telling me about what it's like being a black woman in the world. And again, you probably saw that thing like, oh, what? There's a difference. I don't what kind of thing. You know, but only both middle class living in the same place in the same for empowering women organisation, aren't we? And I just didn't know how to. I did not know how to hear that yet. So right. Right. Um, a couple of years ago when I started to kind of uh, uh, get uh, get with the program, should we say, like when something like uh, there was a particular book and a particular um, online thing called to action from a, from a, an amazing woman called Layla Saad, that I was like, all these like things started flooding into my mind that, mm. that, that like one of the calls to action we're meant to do is to to record write down all the times when we've ignored something or when mm. we've been fragile and all these kinds of things and I was like oh Terry McMillan she was dropping me so many little morsels and then probably ste stepping back and going is she ready yet is she ready yet well is she I, ready yet? I, it wasn't <laughs> even that I mean I'm very spontaneous and I have no lyrical. memory yeah <laughs> it's a great combination of things yes very spontaneous no memory of what I said. So yeah. unless you reminded me, I wouldn't have. But you know, the thing, here's the deal. I have, ha I have a very uh, close relationship to, to white folks yes. that I absolutely love. They are my family, including my ex-husband. So it's, it's always a little struggle because I do have a, I, I do feel like, okay, I've got an opportunity to just say something and they have an opportunity to say something back to me. You know what I mean? There's a trust level. I can't do this with a white supremacist who's like, you know, bound in the dirt and, and with the MAGA cap on because what would be the point? You know, no. I'm not, I am not called to change the minds of people who hate me. No. That's not my ministry. I am not called to change the minds of people who hate me. Oh my God, that's so it's true. It's just truth. I yeah. mean, some people are called to that and I listen to them on podcasts and I watch their TED Talks and I think that's a saint. That's somebody I can't be. No. But amongst the white folks that I love, who are I consider family, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's that element of trust. So even if they don't listen the first time, yeah. I know they're smart. They're all smart. They're cogitating. And I'm learning from them. Yeah. Because to be honest, I learned a lot about feminism. Yeah. That I didn't even really realize in few. Yeah. And my friends who, my very close friends are, are who are white women who are stone cold feminists. Mm -hmm. uh, some of our recent arguments have been about which is most important. And you know, in the black community, some black feminists would be like, well, wait a minute, you know, screw that. Yeah. You get to choose. And I identify as black first because- That's what we see. 
that's what we see and that's what people react to and that's how I was raised. Mm -hmm. But I'm more of a feminist now in part because of conversations like that. So it's not all one way learning, it's an exchange. And you know, I'm following some amazing black women on Instagram now. This woman, Sonia Renee Taylor. Just listen to a podcast with her on today. The body is not an apology. That book. Oh, highly recommended. And okay. she, she does on Instagram, she does uh, what's up y'all, which is yeah. her thing. Um, and she will preach a little sermon and it's not even preaching a sermon. She'll just like be, be moved to say something. Now I don't agree with everything, single thing she says, but what power in that woman, what discernment. She is amazing. Talk about righteous. Oh, she's, I don't know what she's channeling, but damn. Steady voice. Yes. And she's gorgeous. And she's just, she just makes me feel like there is a new world possible. And I also want to call out, now I'm a science fiction fantasy person. So Octavia Butler has been a foremother for years, but I, I can only read her stuff when I'm very stable. Mm-hmm. like emotionally because it's yeah. that big yeah. but there's a podcast now talk called um octavia's parables and Ooh. she has predicted almost everything we've been going through with this administration and the rise of the um the rise of toxic capitalism and the rise of oligarchs and all that but she does it in such a way that is so real that you go, I can't read more of this. But the podcast is being, is like going through the story, like telling the story. So it doesn't feel as, it's not as hurtful to yeah. read. Um, and it's done by this, this woman named Toshi Reagan, who is part of this amazing, um, I think maybe even New York, family of folk singers and a, a ma- they did an opera of the, these stories and Andre Marie Brown I think Renee Brown just look for Octavia's parables it is magnificent with questions okay. love oh, it so good it's so amazing. good and you know it's it's interesting isn't it like I'll link to all these things in the show thank notes. you I'll send you links it'll make it easier I would love that. Um, no and um, is it's it's incredible. Sometimes I'm shocked mm. at how shocked I have been at what's happened because it includes such an unbelievable lack of imagination <laughs> to be in this capitalist, toxic capitalist thing that we've got going on now, and this patriarchy and what have you. It's such an unbelievable lack of imagination to continue to stay in there it's like it you know this 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 author like she's already authored it she's obviously a prophet but it's like it's it was already in place already in place and she's gone she passed she she uh 13 years ago i think she she fell hit her head and passed away I, but, and uh, you know, she's only come onto my radar recently because of the the, oh. the path that I've been presented with, which I'm quietly right. following. I should say, quiet quietly following, because actually it's my work to do, right? And I do right. it for myself so I can be in the world in, with more 
just more awareness and righteousness as well, I think, Terry. And so that I can actually respond in a, in a, in a, in a more wise way to people like you when you, when you go, I think I, what I'm feeling like now is like, mm -hmm. I'm a cicada and you were like, here you go. And then I went in the ground <laughs> for like seven years. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, oh! <laughs> and I'm just at the point where I'm crawling up a tree now and I'm like sitting in my little case like that and then like yeah. at some point I'll be like going like that for a little while I'm actually wearing a cicada around my neck today oh is it a real one it's no it's a it's a jade one that I got in China oh how beautiful that color is amazing thank you that's like um, fall all on a on yeah, a yeah well it's gorgeous they're all dead now but it's lovely yes <laughs> and it matches your beautiful <laughs> art i am impressed no dude mistake, no mistake <laughs> so, uh, our jeanette served as well oh anyway. lovely jeanette yes yes so um so this kind of brings me to to like it, it kind of talking about octavia's parables and talking about these prophecies and then this kind of what's happening at the moment and the american uh, what did you call it project and the 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 documents around which it's built which didn't include your ancestors and well excluded your ancestors and yet you still seem to have this this swelling love and optimism about your beloved america what's your i mean how do you resolve these two things because right now i cannot resolve that myself as as an outsider looking in I'm Dude. finding it really hard and what your words are so you you used the word heartening earlier but your words are really heartening for me to hear such optimism and love and trust in the in the notion of it it's it's a little bit of naivete uh willful naivete but it is also um it's also because I have distance privilege. Uh -huh. Let's not let's not forget that I am here, and as many issues as Japan has with race, and it has many many issues with race, um, not only for Black people. You know, Naomi Osaka. There's a reason why she says what she says, but um, the, here's the thing: I believe that many black people and those are the people i know best and so that's who i'm going to talk about have been saying things like this is a mistaken trajectory for this country for hundreds of years it's not it's not like it's new um i keep on twitter i'm pretty active on twitter and i keep on twitter um posting the debate between a guy named William Buckley, who was considered at that time the father of conservatism, and James Baldwin, who was an actual amazing black intellectual. And this was back in 19, gosh, 84, I think, 85, I don't remember now. Uh, I'll send you the link. But this debate was just seminal for me because it was basically, Baldwin saying the premise or the, the, the premise of the debate was all these things you people, meaning the white patriarchy, mm -hmm. are talking about, all these things, they, are, they were not meant for me. And you need to acknowledge that they weren't meant for me. And Baldwin 
was like, yeah, these all sound great, but what is the reality? And of course he was a genius and so eloquent. And Buckley, as your basic conservative, is like, no, this is not a, um, this is not a legitimate complaint. Um, America is better for the Negro, which is what they used to call us then, than you say. And it, it was just, it was wretched, but so powerful. And I think what makes me feel possibility is that people like James Baldwin and Octavia Butler and so many others, they may leave for a while, but they come back because there's, there, because of those documents, I guess, because there isn't, as far as I know, a modern country with founding principles that are so enticing they're so enticing. Mm-hmm. All men are creative, created equal. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, goddamn. I mean, that's pretty nice, right? So maybe it is my knowledge of the Constitution and my knowledge of the Bill of Rights and my knowledge of our history that makes me say we can do it. We can we can make Reagan's city on the hill. His version would have just had white people or blacks who were subservient to him, but we can make more of Obama's city on the hill or Biden's or Kamala's city on the hill, which is a diverse, which is not, what is diverse? It's just a bunch of human beings of different colors, shapes, sizes, families, all of that. And we can celebrate it. Why the hell not? Why not? Well, there's no here in Japan as now. That's an interesting thing, and this oh. I am not really because I don't speak and read the language well enough. Even it's very shameful. I'm trying same, to get same, better. Same, same. I'm trying to get better. Must get better. But um, I live in a half Japanese, half um, Western bubble because I work at a Japanese company. I mean, I work at an American company, but in a com- pretty much completely Japanese context. Yeah, it's a but, yeah, but, I mean, some of my best friends are Japanese. That sounds very bad, but that's the truth of it. But they are the types of folks who left because Japan, with all the great things about it, is not necessarily or has not been necessarily a place where individuality and creativity were broadly celebrated. Okay, let me let me rephrase that or re-emphasize. Please, please, please. We have that in Japan. <laughs> Perfect. Does that make sense? Perfect. Like, I kind of feel like Perfect. Like I like my friendship circle. Of course, over the 19 years I've been here, it's kind of become more it's become like I have my A team, you know, like yes, of course, of course, similarities between us, of course. But, um, yeah, I kind of feel like we have that here. Like it's you and I probably have friends who have 
children of all ages, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't have that much in. It would probably be more like layers of people doing things. It's a stratified apart. kind of hierarchical. Exactly. That is and, very true um, in America. And, you know, the, the board of directors that you and I were on, there was lots of different kinds of people yes. in there. Yes. Albeit, you know, mainly light-skinned people. And, yes. Uh, um, but, like, there's something... But then again, it, it's it's a bubble. It is a bubble, but it, it that it's the hill, whatever that hill is. And I'm right. not saying it's it's not perfect, and it's and it's no, 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 riddled with privilege, and it's riddled with supremacies. Yes. Um. But like uh, riddled, but there it is. <laughs> there is some good. Um, Maybe I'm just freedom here. <laughs> there is a good level of freedom here that you can find that might be harder, except. I grew up in New York City, so, and I don't know what New York City's like now because I haven't been back in so long, but the New York City I grew up in, and that includes the 70s, um, I think that was where my formative creative expectations were, 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 were forged. Like, what do you have? You have every type of friend. What do you have? You have every type of stimulus. What do you have? You're seeing art all the time. It's not a matter of you're playing music. You're, I mean, it's a, it's a, I grew up in New York in a very, I don't want to even say artistic because that's not what it was about. It's just, it was just Just the air you breathe. Just the air you breathe. I mean, you know, what do you call it? Like in, that was the, yeah, the water you swam. That was the atmosphere. That was and it. that's not easy to do here. No, in no, Japan. no. It's not easy. It's, no. I, I could probably do it, but I need to settle some of my own internal struggles so that I feel comfortable opening up to other folks. I mean, I have these wonderful people who I do music with and I can't seem to get it together to reconnect with them and do music. And I love them. And I, I, you know, but I don't, I, I'm, I'm missing some pieces. And I think part of it is that, you know, it's a question of time, but that's bullshit. Cause in reality, if I were determined, you get up at five o'clock. I mean, we all know the miracle mornings, you get up at five, you write your 150 pages, you, you know, I have nothing stopping me except myself human body as well you know (laughs) yeah vessel that we occupy well that's the other thing i mean i am more activated now after work talking to you i know i must need a sarah pill because usually (laughs) when i come home every week (laughs) when i come home honey it ain't i'm like people call call me and i'm like i don't want to talk to anybody yeah I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want any, any except stimuli I want. And I, you know, these days with all the madness, sometimes I just go to bed. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, I give up. It's a lot. It's a lot, it's a lot going it's on. It's a lot. lot going on. It's a lot. <sighs> um, yeah, it is. It's a lot. So that kind of brings me, like, talking about this, and this is just a very odd thing that I wanted to ask you about. Please. Because you know, again, many ways to lead a life and Mm -hmm. people always think they're too old to do this or too old to do that. 
um, you said this is not off limits. So no, um, 10 years ago, you decided to get some radical and invest in loads of orthodontic work, right? Yes, I did. And you also recommended your dentist to me. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, good. Yes, she's wonderful. Actually, I think it's longer. I think it's less time. I think it's like four years ago. I'm still paying for it. So <laughs> it's probably more yeah. like four. Yeah. What, yeah. Did, what, what made you give yourself permission to do that, Terry? Well, I had, um, I had had, my teeth were going in their own direction for a while. And then I had a bike accident where I basically landed on my face. Mm -hmm. which this is when I lived in Gaku Gedai Gaku. Mm -hmm. And when I say I landed on my face, I landed on my teeth, my front teeth. And they began to migrate and go in places, go where no teeth have gone before. And um, <laughs> I lived with that for a couple of years and just uncomfortable, felt bad about myself, wouldn't smile. And I was going through a whole set of other things at the time. So I, it was just, you know, so I got the job, started, you know, getting a little bit more stable and solvent and then said, okay, this has to be done. And she was recommended, I found her in Facebook because she was had many, uh, it's a Hitomi Dental. Mm -hmm. She has two offices now. Mm -hmm. And, um, I told her the most important thing you have to understand about me is that I do not like pain yeah. of any type, anytime. I will avoid everything to avoid pain. Mm -hmm. So please understand. And she's uh, American trained. So I said, whatever, does your gas go to 11? That's my biggest question. And she, she took really good care of me. She does. She continues to. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't regret it. You know, I'm not like out there looking for guys or anything or girls either. So I, I don't really care whether people think it's weird or not, but I, I wanted my teeth to feel I good. Think it's brilliant. Cause you oh. know, here, like people in my, my mom and dad's generation, they're probably 10 years older than you. And they'd be like, Oh, you know, if there's one thing I'd get done, it would like be to get my teeth whitened or some veneers or something like that. And I'm like, well, just go do it if you can afford to do I, it. Oh, no, I couldn't. Not at my age. Do you know what I mean? So, what? Oh, no, honey. So I'm like, well. We are not rocking that. No, not at all. And by the way, the work looks amazing. You look great. Thank I you. I feel better, you know. Of course. And I can see that you're more apt to smile and stuff like that. So really, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not just about the dental work. It's not just about that. It's like that. I feel more confident. Versus that it's just like it makes life so much easier doesn't it it really does the poor poor people who can't afford oh, dental yeah. work yeah gotta donate to whatever dental work organizations <laughs> there are because it makes a difference it makes man. a huge difference to your life of course, oh, of course i mean i i just don't feel i mean i mean i'm very careful with my teeth but i'm i'm i smile whenever i want to you know and i'm a smiler yes you are I am, I'm simultaneously a complete hermit and a people person. It's yeah. very, very confused. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't understand myself anyway, but I really, okay, but really love what? to smile. We're allowed to be multifaceted human beings. Ta-da. Um, amazing. And, and that's another thing I always loved about you, Terry. You'd walk into the room and go, hello, humans. <laughs> and I was like, 
this is some next level shit. Like, this is some next level shit. Like, we're presumably, only our women and you're just like, hello, humans. Presumably <laughs> accurate. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, if you're not a human, if you're an alien, hello to you as well. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, that covers it all. When you ask me, I circle back to what gives me optimism or hope in yes. the American documents and yes. in the American future is that hello humans thing because they're humans we're humans yeah. that's a basic level of of commonality and we ourselves make it into a set of like fucking bizarre obstacles mm. as opposed to we're weird <laughs> we are weird creatures and you know we're so we so we're as busy as opposed to, so I know, I know racists. I grew up in America, know, America. <laughs> not, that, not that that's the only place they are, but they are no. prominent over there. I mean, stone cold. I mean, this place is in America. I will not go to yes. by myself still, yeah. which is insane. But anyway. And, and social media has made it very easy to hear their thinking, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the knee-jerk, I don't want to say even narrow, the knee-jerk no when they consider the existence of somebody like me is palpable. And you, and you really sit there, I sit there, and I think, so first of all, I'm as human as you. I mean, we're, I know we're not going to be on the same page anyway, but I'm as human as, as you. Second of all, my skin is not scary. There's not a thing scary about my skin. It's epidermis. It's the largest organ on my body. It's the largest organ on your body. And ipso facto, I'm not sure if I use that right, but I really like that term. Yeah. <laughs> Way way back in the day you looked like me <laughs> your ancestors came from the same place my ancestors did and the only reason your happy ass looks like that is because y'all couldn't take the heat and you headed out over the peninsula and you, uh, so because you won't acknowledge that white supremacy not only exists, but it pervades American society, you have no choice. If you're stuck in that place, which is A, untrue, and B, like you could see it's untrue. So once you, once you decide that's true, that, that whites are supreme, then you can't see me as a human. Like you can't, like, I, like it's logical, you know? It's entirely logical. So my thing is, do you realize that what your, do you realize the flaw in your argument though? Like, do you get that it's crazy? <laughs> do you get that this is a mental illness thing? Mm. I shouldn't say mental illness. I don't mean that. No. I, I take that back. Do you get that this is a willful ignoring of human reality and human community because racists are not mentally ill I'm, i i used to think they were and i used to really in my head go they must be crazy no 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 they are fearful and stupid 
fearful and stupid. Thank you. I let the let don't the, you think? I mean, am I wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's very it's interesting. There's uh, um, a, 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 another elder who uh, Mama Louisa Tish, I think is her name, and oh. she she says that um, she does describe it as a kind of nationwide mental illness that affects all of us but I, she says it more eloquently than that it's right. something else huh. she says like check it, her out it is some kind of she's this was this was against the backdrop of another one of these kind of women who masquerade as black activist was revealed to be a white woman oh this is the whole not thing Dol not rachel doll i don't want yeah, to yeah, yeah. the topic no 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 deal, but somebody else there's like four or five of them now that got prominent and i'm kind of like okay like this is this is part of some deep deep ancestral white supremacist healing that needs to happen that this is going on anywhere and she said you've got black people to pretend to be white white people pretend to be black jewish people pretending to be this uh, uh latino latinos pretending to be Jew. And she just said it's like this kind of we can't just be who we are she, she used the words she, it was something along the line of mental like there's something there's there's, an there's another way to put it there's yeah, something there's ill a, a i don't there's a there's I a, hate to say mental illness no, only so because, do I, because that's, I don't want to stigmatize so, my yeah, folks. Exactly. Who, I'm sorry to anybody who's listening who feels hurt and upset by no, that. No, 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 please. Let's drag this and drop you. that, Terry, and, and, and relabel it. It's some kind of malaise or some kind of... Um, well, it's hatefulness is one thing. It's, it's, it's that's part of this. This whole system has created this oddness that, that exists there. Anyway that's what she she describes it interesting in that way. And i'll check her out i'll check it. her out once you once you committed to something like that of course you have to keep the illusion going of Be, and you look and, at and you, you look at our current president imagination that's the other thing that keeps me from not just falling into a great deal of ancestral deep hatred is i have an imagination and my imagination as i'm sure yours does gives me access to something and the access that it gives me is the idea that something might be better in the future, but mm. it might not be in my generation even. And, yeah. that, and we've used the word ancestor a great deal on this call, uh, on this um, conversation. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, and, and so we're constantly honoring going back. We're constantly and, and thinking about the f going forward as well. Yes, and yes, yes. It, and, and I just... I look at those people and I just think, oh, seriously, where's your imagination? Yeah. Well, if they have any imagination, it's in, they're using it in the service of racism ah, and yeah. sexism. Imagined. And yeah. they don't, yeah. they okay. don't want to be, you know, you see these, you will not replace us kind of thing, where's, people. Where's your imagination? Is that all you Why got? would that? Yeah. So my thing is this. So first of all, who cares? <laughs> I mean, this is not very empathic. I, I, I empathetic. I, I, I tend to be more empathetic than that. But who cares if you're replaced or not? You're going to be dead. So it doesn't really matter. I, I, like, build your legacy while you're alive. And do you want your legacy to be this legacy of hate and lies? 
like just tissues of lies. I mean, Trump is the perfect person for these people because he's like them expanded, you know, them times a thousand. And they love him because of that. So mm. it doesn't matter how he treats them. It doesn't matter how things go. It, it doesn't matter what he does. They are predisposed because if he goes down, they are deathly afraid of having to confront what they are. They are deathly afraid of it. Uh, it's incredible. Oh, and it's, I feel like, damn. Yeah, what? there's a whole other conversation there. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, I just, um, oh, man. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I, I mean, Terry, I mean, this is a conversation I could do it with you again. I um, know, like, I, I know. It's, it's good to um, talk about these things. Uh, anyway, let, let's, let's save that for another time. Just yes. Because we, I don't want to take up too much of your time. You're going to be exhausted after this. Oh, but this has been great <laughs> talking to you. I'm telling you, it's like a Sarah pill. Oh, I have more energy. I might get same. up and vacuum after this. this same, is... same, same. <laughs> except besides the vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> and so what's next for Terry McMillan? So the first thing I want to note, and I think you should all tune into this, is Terry's going to be the keynote speaker at the Career Strategy Seminar for few for empowering japan so we've come full circle i've got fb again and have, she will yeah. be the the keynote speaker at this uh, uh you know cycling back after 10 years absence to this uh maybe eight years absence uh, to this this great organization what's tell tell us about that and then tell us what's in the future for terry well i have to thank you for even bringing this up as a possibility because it wasn't something that was on my mind at all not because I don't care about few, but I just, you know, the brain is filled with other things. And, um, and the board, <clears throat> excuse me, the board was delightful. And I wrote a script and I'm kind of working on it still, you know, because I want to incorporate, I, I'm hoping to be both honest and empowering and inspiring. Because, you know, it's not like me to get up there and go, everything now is wonderful butterflies and roses. <laughs> because actually, no. Because who's going to believe that? But I remember that feeling of few CSS yeah. as being pivotal. Same. So good. I learning so much. Exactly. Yeah. It was am It was like, what, two days, right? Like, was it two days? I uh, one day, uh, I think, and there was all different speakers and all different rooms. Oh, it was delightful. Knowledge. Yeah. It was, it was, it's it was bad. a burst of energy, a burst yeah. of knowledge. Yeah. Um, I just loved it. And so what I want to sort of do, hopefully, with the speech is say to folks, yeah, I know we're home. Um, it's virtual. But in reality, even more opportunity to mingle virtually in the break-off rooms and stuff and to to take in this is sunlight for us as women as women who are of a certain global mindset um this is sunlight for us to let the sunshine in you know just forget about whether you're sitting at home and you know folks are you know bats are flying around the belfry or whatever the heck is going on just this is you're a sponge and and this css this day is for you to soak it all up yeah and and in comfort you know comfort. let's face it there's something to be said for comfort Absolutely. you know so i'm gonna i've been writing the speech 
um, with the idea of flow, of attaining flow. Mm -hmm. But because um, I'm, I'm a fan of Mihaly and Csikszentmihalyi, Csikszent but Csikszent yeah, he's really good. But I'm still I'm still working on it. I will have it finished finished by this weekend. I'm going to work on it this weekend, and um, then then it's into practice mode. Oh dear! I've just knocked a file over. Oh dear! <laughs> So I was like, somebody don't like practice mode, but, uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, so right. I don't, I don't really have a script. I have a post-it note with three bullet points on these days. And then I that's fantastic. Up. Maybe not. I, actually, maybe I do write just something out. But yeah. yeah but I, I, for me, I don't want to, cause I could talk. I, don't I know. know yeah. I, I know what you mean. You need to corral. I need to corral my own mind. brain. Yeah. Cause I otherwise. I totally understand. I, I, yeah, that's exactly what I need to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I'm really the grateful to. Well, they're for in for massive treats. There's no, there's oh, no way so they sweet. can't be influenced by you. And like, in my, in my, um, in my own business, like I, I incorporate my, 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 my latest little thing that I know, wake up and I'm like, oh, boom X Y Z. That's oh, my thing. So it's that's like, nice. I need to touch. I need to have speakers from boomers. Generation X, I think. Are you Generation X? Or you I think I'm a. I think I'm a late. Oh no, I'm an. I'm a late boomer. I think. Okay, late boomer. Early. You read X though. You read Generation X. I do. <laughs> yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I have no idea. In fact, I, I can't even keep it in my head. What all these? <laughs> anyway, <I don't> <laughs> and then so 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 you know, last my last interview was an eighteen-year-old. Oh, lovely. Right, so very different, very lovely. Different. Not so much life, but all her, her life is one complete life, right? So yep, yep, it's, yep. It's interesting and fascinating. To oh, I'm going to listen to that for sure. Because, you know, I love, oh, I love it. I yeah. love it. I, you know, the thing I should, I should, um, I should correct mm -hmm. myself because it's not that I hate younger people. <laughs> but I feel like there needs to be a balance to the youth focus that society has. Yeah. And so my thing is we're not dead yet. And there's no reason why we can't learn and grow and publish things and all of that, just like younger people do, but with more experience. So there you go then. And if we do it in conjunction with younger folks, awesome. If we do it on our own, awesome you know um so that i mean i think that's really what i what i really should say because I, I don't want anybody to think i'm like anti-youth i'm i'm making a conscious effort to balance the extraordinarily heavy youth focus that exists in in our cultures love it and that and the way that i'm incorporating that into my business is through eldership so oh, I love that. People to be elders, even younger people, if they've been working with me for a long time. So what's next then, Terry, for you after the CSS? Will you retire in Japan? What are your dreams for your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s? I, I will, um, I'm trying to get healthier. That's one mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, I go back and I go in and I go out and when, 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 my, when the black dog hits, I go in and then things go the off black the black dog meaning depression. Yeah. Okay. But... The good thing is I do come back and I'm trying to set up my life in a more, um, you know, thoughtful way. So health is a key thing. Then also um, art is a key thing. I have, I have so many projects, no, not, not so many, but 
I have a bunch of key projects around the Hello Human moniker. My podcast was supposed to be weekly, but it's turning out to be like monthly. But, you know, I decided not to beat myself up for that because that's what I usually do. I'll beat myself up, say, you are horrible, and then nothing continues. So wild, wild, wild goal. Then, not <laughs> and then beat yourself up oh my god yeah. i want to coach you right now but we're not going to do that so no I, I no was like, every two weeks every two weeks I was and like, it's wonderful yeah. it's wonderful i i am over ambitious and then disappoint myself and others so uh i need to um i'm just recalibrating right now yeah uh i'm very happy That's with fun. my toys yeah um because i have i i can plug my guitar into this thing and noodle around on the guitar, which makes me feel good and sing and just just trying to um, be, what's the word? Be creative and be prolific. And that the prolific part is what I have always suffered with. And so I'm trying to give myself slightly smaller goals. Like I was just thinking, so what you should try to do is once or twice a week, plug your guitar in now you're able to record without a problem it's all set up and just record some of these i have like 300 snippets of songs and it's like you all record one of these stupid snippets you know like don't be ridiculous so i'm trying to do that uh hello human is meant to focus on creativity love it but i think um oh i we've got to set up our uh interview for you uh, we'll do that. And I have all these people I want to interview, but I'm still kind of not together in my I'll head yet. So I need to get a little bit. I'm probably going to interview Chris next as a chef. Uh, I did Lawrence, which is wonderful. I was really happy I did that one. I want to, there's a couple of people I support on Patreon who are amazing and delightful. And there's one black woman named Ezine, and I want to support her. I want to interview her. Um, I have a whole list. I have a list of about 50 people, um, but I, I just... 51, I'll be very, very happy. Oh, honey, you're going to be like three, maybe four. <laughs> well, we have to just set up this. Now that we have this all sorted, we have to just set up the specifics and we'll be yeah. able to make it happen. Yeah. And my newsletter is... Um, uh, you know, I, I, I go, I do it. I stall. I do it. I stall, but I'm just determined to keep oh, trying, keep yeah. trying. Don't freak out about it. No. Don't beat yourself up. My rebel nature stops me from doing what I, what I know Harry, I want to do. You're a grown ass woman. You are 100% sovereign and you can do what you want. I am a hundred percent sovereign. I love that. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I am. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I am. As are you. Yes. Queen. Yes. So with that, where can people find you, Terry? Um, my best suggestion would be Twitter mm-hmm. because all my things, that's where I am most of the time. Handle? You, uh, handle? Is that, do people still say handle? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure that they do, but I'll just say it. My handle is Terry in Tokyo, but it's T-E-R-R-I-N. Mm-hmm. So it's Terry in Tokyo. It's Terry in Tokyo, yeah. So it's T-E-R-R-I-N-T-O-K-Y-O. And if you hit, hit me on Twitter, um, you'll probably see most of what I'm into. I warn you, there's a lot of politics right now for obvious reasons. November 3rd, any Americans listening to this, get in touch. 
if you're going to vote and specifically Democratic, because I do not have to be nonpartisan. So if you're not sure what to do and you're an American abroad, vote from abroad has some great uh, help. And they're also doing a Sunday um, Zoom where they're helping people like for 24 hours on Sundays. Uh, to just go to vote from abroad dot org and you will be able to get yourself hooked up vote from abroad dot org well it's appreciated that you're doing that on behalf of your country and um terry i, I i've absolutely loved talking to you today it's been thank so re- stimulated me as well actually thank you like, <laughs> i'm uh, gonna get the vacuum cleaner i'm telling you oh! <laughs> I suggest you get the guitar instead, but hey, well, who am I to that do That is a very good point. Or oh, is- you can do air, air guitar with the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Joyce's. Joyce's your sovereign. There you um, go. It's Great. been absolutely brilliant. So Terry in Tokyo, be sure to, to follow Terry. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, you know, everybody has stories and I want to tell them. And I believe there are many, many ways to lead a life. And Terry's is so rich. It's been an absolute treat listening to you. This amazing human, hello humans, with the optimism and naivety of somebody who is also so clued into so many things, who's political and artistic and, you know, has talked so openly to us today about well, just, just in the normal conversational way about depression and racism, and that's how it should be. These things should be on the table for, 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 for discussion without tension or... Um, without taboo. Happiness. There's no I reason to be taboo. No, to, exactly. Without taboo, we should be able to talk about these things as part of our just ordinary everyday discourse. And Absolutely. I really appreciate that you've, you've uh, you know, you brought that to, to my table and to the table of the people who are listening, Terry, I absolutely adore you. You are, um, Ditto. You are my great mother, <laughs> my, my elder, my respected and honored, uh, ancestor a million, uh, generations back. And <laughs> how lovely. I'm just around the way kind of girl, honey, but, I but, <laughs> but I also am, am extraordinarily, I just admire what you're doing. I, I just think it's amazing. And uh, I know where you, sort of where you came from and yeah. what you've brought it up into. And I, I'm, I think it's amazing. The sky is the limit for you. Thank you so much, Terry. And I, and I stand on the shoulder of giants. So <laughs> you, you being one of those giants. Thank so you. I'm going to check out. Now, you're a Star Trek fan, aren't you? Uh, yes, I am. Live long and prosper, honey. Beam us up, Scotty. Thank you so much for listening to this latest legend on the Sarah Furuya Legends podcast. Hop over to sarahfuruya.com where you can find the full complement of uh, Legends interviews and conversations. Also, you can like and subscribe over on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. I absolutely love these interviews and these conversations I have with these people. I don't care about subscribers, if I'm absolutely honest. It just helps to get more people over to listen to these fantastic people. I cannot wait for my next interview. I really hope you can get stuck in and find some juice and some delightful little nugget of knowledge or encouragement from these that will help you to create your story and to take your story forward and to weave and dream up and high dream your own story. Buoyed up by the stories of these people, I would call them ordinary, they're not. But these people, these 
beautiful legends who I've selected to help you on your way and to help me on my way. So please enjoy, share, subscribe. My Facebook page is Sarah Faruya Coaching. My Instagram page is at Sarah Faruya Coaching too. So get into it. Thanks. Bye.